You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. All right, church. Well, if you have a copy of the scriptures, I'd invite you to turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. Um, if you don't have a copy of God's Word with you, no worries. Uh, we'd, we'd love to have you uh, grab that Black Pew Bible right in front of you. You can turn it to page 1014. You'll be able to follow along with us as we study um, God's Word today. So um, this last week, um, uh, my wife Melanie and I wanted to take our four kids and kind of do one last thing before, for kind of, before school starts. So we decided, and we haven't done this in like four or five years, we're like, let's take all of our kids to the beach. And I forgot how terrifying that was. We basically, there, there are two things I'll share real quick, and then, and then we'll, we'll kind of get in. One is that, so we, we get down there, and we're getting set up, and we're getting the suntan lotion, and we're putting it on the kids, and, and I got some, and I began putting it on my shoulders and stuff like that. And then my mind got away from me, and I started putting it on, on one of my other kids. And I totally forgot the rest of my back and everything else. And so I got home that day. I was like, why? I, I went to sleep, and I got up. I was like, why do I hurt so bad? And I recognized that the top of my shoulders are pearly white. Everything else is crazy red. Like, I got burnt so, so bad. Um, but the beach is cool, and we went, and uh, we basically recognized, listen, the beach for us with kids with our age, our son Jackson's nine, our youngest Caleb is two, basically is me standing with all three of, all four of our kids, holding their hands, waiting for, waiting for like waves to crash in. That was the extent of our beach experience. One time, one of our kids got knocked over, got sucked out into the ocean, had to go run and grab her. Beaches are terrifying. So this... This slide will probably be the last of the beach we see for a very, very long time. But anyway, so 1 Peter is a book that we, that we are just getting into. Uh, we are four weeks into our series. Um, if, you, if you're here with us for the first time, you pick a really great week to come, to come in. And basically, I just want to give you a little brief background before we get into our verses today. Uh, Peter is writing to a group of Christians that are scattered throughout the region of Asia Minor. So this is very early on uh, within, within uh, the, the, the early church. Jesus has done his ministry, ascended into heaven. The apostles had gone out and shared the good news of the gospel. But now Peter is writing to Christians that are scattered all over this area. And, and if you remember, Pastor Dan, as he, as he preached a few weeks ago, talked about them as exiles. Peter, Peter says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion throughout Asia Minor there. Exiles means what? It means someone without a home. Now, this could be believers who actually lost their homes due to their Christian faith. Um, it is not rare that in certain parts of the world, if you became a follower of Jesus, you would be shunned by your family, lose your home, lose your job, and they had to move to another city just to, just to continue on with their life. Or for, for some Christians, and you and I would probably fall into this, this portion, some people, sometimes we just feel like this isn't our home. Because it's not. But our culture is so against and so contrary to what Jesus calls us to, how Jesus calls us to live our lives, that many of us feel like we're living as strangers and aliens, even within our own neighborhoods and towns. But that's how it's supposed to be. 
And the whole letter of 1 Peter, the whole theme behind it is being able to, to stand firm for your faith while still staying hopeful that God is in control and that God is still at work. And so, and so Peter wants to encourage these people that are feeling like they have, they have no home for them anymore. And, and Pastor Mike, over the last few weeks in verses 3 through 9, Peter addresses and calls these exiles a hope in their future, their future hope in heaven. He says, to those who do not feel at home, an eternal dwelling is waiting for them. For those who feel like they have lost everything for the gospel, there is an eternal inheritance kept in heaven, undefiled, imperishable, waiting for them, waiting in heaven for them there. And then for those who, who feel like they're just under so many trials and hardships, Peter reminds them that these trials, if, if we let them do the work that God intends them to do, will actually make us more and more like Jesus when we see him in heaven someday. We will be more like him and more praise and more honor and glory will be given to Jesus for the work that he has done within our lives. But in 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12, instead of looking forward at the hope that we have in heaven, which is amazing and we should hope in those things, Peter then calls these listeners and us today as we read this passage, he calls us to look back on the history of our own salvation. See, a lot of times we look forward to the hope that we have, which, which is, again, a great thing to do. But Peter today says, hey, why don't we step back and recognize what God has already done on your behalf, what you possess right now. So if you would, I'm just going to read verses uh, 10 through 12, and then we're going to work through these verses together. First um, Peter chapter 1, uh, Chris, you don't have to put them up on the screen yet. We'll, we'll do that in one second. But it says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that, you, that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things to which the angels Long to look. And guys, within these three verses, Peter is calling us to look at our salvation, maybe with very fresh eyes. Many of you here have been saved for maybe 20, 30, 40, maybe 50 years. And it is easy for our salvation to become uh, that, that we take it for granted. It's easy that we just forget the miracle. That you, were once saved, that you were once destined for hell, but now you are a saved son of the king. So church, I'm just going to pray that God would open up our eyes fresh to our salvation. And we're going to dig into these verses. So God, Lord, I, I pray today, Lord, as we look at our salvation, something that for most of our people here is something that um, they have experienced for years now, God. But Lord, I pray today that we would see and recognize and appreciate um, your hand in making us part of your family, God. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So church, the first thing that, that Peter recognized, that Peter wants to bring to our attention, and he says that God's prophets anticipated your salvation. God's prophets way back when anticipated your salvation. 
uh, verses 10 and 11 again say, concerning this salvation, the one that we just talked about, the hope that we have in heaven, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories to come. See, church, this salvation that you and I experience is not a new religion that's focused solely on Jesus. See, Peter wanted, wants to remind us that our salvation is based upon years and years and hundreds and thousands of years of prophecies concerning, concerning the Messiah that was to come. So it's not like someone just came up with this idea, hey, this Jesus guy is a really good guy and we, we really like him. Why don't we base a, a religion just around him? Peter is saying, listen, our religion, our relationship to God, he began prophesying about this Messiah years and years before Jesus actually came. And this is a great defense for the authenticity and the accuracy of Scripture because as we're going to see in a few moments, these prophets wrote about the coming Messiah 700, uh, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 years before he actually came. And if you were to take all the prophecies about Jesus, there's about 400 of them within the Old Testament, and you were to say the percentage of someone actually fulfilling all of these things, it would be mind-boggling. It only would have to be come from God that this is actually the Messiah that was prophesied within the Old Testament. And church, we don't have time to walk through each and every prophecy of the Messiah this morning, but I want to walk you through a few of them just to see the breadth of the prophecies that were to come about Jesus. And so the, these are going to be up on, on our screen. We're going to walk through, through these things pretty quickly. But I want, I want to show you again that God's hand was on these prophets to give these messages way before Jesus ever showed up on the scene. And the, the prophet Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible, um, writes in Genesis 3.15. This is God talking to Satan and Adam and Eve after Adam and Eve had sinned, after sin had entered into the world. God, God, God gives this prophecy. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, talking about Satan, and, and between you and your offspring, you and her, your offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. See, church, this is the first promise that a Messiah is coming that someone would come and actually have victory over Satan. And yes, God did say it's going to look as if Satan, as if Satan is going to win at one point. But those of you who know the gospel story, that victory only lasted for three days until Jesus rose from the grave. And so way back, you're talking about 2,000 years before Christ came, prophecies were already there that a Messiah was coming. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, writes in Isaiah 7, 14, 700 years before Jesus came. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. So here, Jesus, uh, the prophet Isaiah, is speaking of the Messiah coming, being born of a virgin, the Virgin Mary, 700 years before it actually happened. The prophet Micah in Micah 5.2, again, 700 years before Jesus came, said, But you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth uh, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from the ancient of days. And so 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, God's prophets were already prophesying this is the place where he was going 
to be born. Prophet Isaiah, again, in Isaiah 35, speaks and prophesies about Jesus' earthly ministry. Where it says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. So 700 years before Jesus came and ministered to and healed the sick and fed the poor and ministered to, to so many people, the prophet Isaiah already said, this is what he is going to do. The prophet David, a thousand years before Christ came, prophesied about his crucifixion in Psalm 22, where it says, For dogs encompass me, and a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat at, at over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. One thousand years before Jesus' death, God was using men and women to prophesy about the coming Messiah. And church, you may think, I've heard that before. I know this. But I want you to see the impact that these messages had on the prophets who gave them. That they anticipated the, this coming Messiah. And they anticipated, really, your and my salvation. Because this is part of our story. If you go back in 1 Peter uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 10, it goes over and it says, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was yours searched and inquired carefully. It says that, that, they, that God gave them the message. They wrote it down. They told, they told God's people. But then they went back and searched and studied and said, What exactly does all of this mean? Where, and they, they, they searched for the times and the circumstances that the Messiah would actually Come. And so they devoted their very lives to the prophecies that, that God had given to them. And church, I think, and, and this goes for me too, a lot of us look at the gospel and we think about the gospel and some of us may yawn because we've heard it for so long, but if we really immerse ourselves in what the gospel is and, and the transforming power that it has within our lives, these things would get, would get us excited and something that I've chosen to do personally, this is just on a personal thing to help me better understand the rich, the richness of, of, of our tradition of the Christian faith, is I commit myself every day to read something out of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is 75% of, of our Bibles. And a lot of times we figure, well, the New Testament is for the church today, and I would agree with that, but the Old Testament is for God's people just as much. And so I take time each and every day to pour myself over the Old Testament because that's where we learn about who God is. That's how we learn about how God treats his people. That's how we see these prophecies of Jesus, of the Messiah coming that we know today point toward Jesus. And another thing that I do, a book that has been very helpful that I try to read at least once a year is this book called The Gospel Primer for Christians. It's by a guy named Milton Vincent. And if you've never read this really small, short book, what it does, it focuses on the gospel. It focuses on what the gospel can mean for you and I and the transforming power that it has. So again, it's a gospel primer by Milton Vincent. You can get it on Amazon for like seven or eight bucks, but it is a really, really good and encouraging read. But as you and I know, the plan of redemption does not, did not end with prophets anticipating its coming. 
And it's, while it's not in this text here, I want to walk you through again that God's Son accomplished our salvation. While the prophets anticipated it, it was coming, God's Son actually accomplished it. And very early on in Jesus' ministry, Matthew 5, verse 17, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So he's saying, listen, I didn't come to, to cast away everything that the prophets have said about me. I've actually come to fulfill every single prophecy that was said about me. And church, Jesus was born in a virgin, of a virgin in Bethlehem and lived a sinless life as a son of God. He healed the sick, raised the dead, fed the poor, and declared the message of the kingdom. He was rejected by his people, beaten beyond recognition, nailed to a Roman cross, buried in a rich man's tomb, and three days later rose from the dead, proving victory over sin and death. All of that to fulfill these prophecies that were spoken of him within the Old Testament. And Jesus in John 5, 39, he's speaking to the Pharisees, those who knew and kept the law and studied it. He says, you search, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. So he says, you search the scriptures in looking for a Messiah. But all those scriptures point to who Jesus is. And church, God accomplished, God's son accomplished our salvation. What he is saying there is, listen, you search the scriptures for eternal life, but eternal life is found in me. John 3, 16 through 18 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Church, salvation has never been about becoming a better person. Salvation is all about believing in the finished work of Jesus. And these prophets that pointed toward the Messiah looked forward to a time where the Messiah would come. And when Jesus came and fulfilled all of these prophecies, he pointed people to himself. That salvation is found in me. Eternal life is found in me. There is no more working for our salvation. There is no trying to do better to be better. It's all about believing in what Jesus has already done for you. And the blessing about the fact that God's Son accomplished it is that it's over, it's finished. It's not like God did, Jesus did some of it and we have to add on to that. It's done, it's over. And the fact that God's Son accomplished our salvation should bring us great joy and gratitude that our standing before God is not based upon what we do, but it's based upon who we believe in, whether I'm going to believe in myself or believe in what Jesus has done for me. But in this last verse in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter gets very personal here. So he says, listen, we've talked about these prophets and that they anticipated the Messiah. We talked about the Messiah actually coming and accomplishing your salvation. But in verse 12, Peter 
brings out the point that God's spirit was active in your salvation, that God had a direct hand in you becoming a follower of Jesus. Verse 12 says, And it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you. In the things that you have been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. What Peter goes on to say here is that, listen, the same spirit that moved God's prophets to write down these prophecies about Jesus, the same spirit whom Jesus submitted to and followed while he was in his earthly ministry here, that same spirit worked in your life so that you could become a child of God. If you are a follower of Jesus this morning, God has had a plan and has been active within your entire life. Psalm 139 says that God has formed you in your mother's womb. And somewhere along the way, God brought you through circumstances that made you sensitive to the gospel of Jesus. And not only did God work in your life to get you ready to hear that message, but God worked in the lives of other people to bring that message to you. And it was, in, it was during that transaction when they shared the gospel with you that God's spirit opened up your eyes to your need of a savior. And you decided to place your faith and trust in Jesus. And it's that Holy Spirit after the fact that secures and seals your salvation. And, and, and it is now that you, are a, that you are a believer. It is that same spirit that will empower you and gives you the strength and encourages you to share that same gospel message with someone else. When I was a young kid, God brought a Sunday school teacher into my life who lovingly put up with a really disrespectful brat. And God, and God brought uh, a grandfather into my life who lovingly shared the gospel from the pulpit each and every week. And on a Sunday afternoon, after hearing after hearing the gospel message, I came home and um, God used my parents as well to, um, to bring me to a point of saving faith. And you may be sitting here and it may, may be a coworker, maybe a friend, a family member, maybe a time of listening on the radio. But all of us have a story where God has brought people into our lives and circumstances surrounding our life that lead up to our faith and our decision to follow Jesus with all of our life. And your salvation is no accident, but God's hand is all over that salvation, your salvation story. But the question now is, you're still here. And while your salvation story is complete, there are many people around us whose salvation story has not taken place yet. And I want you to begin thinking this morning, who has God placed in your life that you might be the one to share that same story of salvation with them 
Just as these readers in 1 Peter had people come and preach and share the gospel with them so that they can get saved, who has God placed within your life so that you can be, you can be that same person for them? Church, there is nothing like being able to share the gospel with someone and seeing them come to faith and trust in Jesus. I'm not saying like I'm also I'm an awesome evangelist because I'm not. I am not. I would I am, I would much rather speak to a church full of full of 400 people. Um, but every time I have a one-on-one conversation with someone, that takes a lot more courage and bravery for me to do. But God has placed all of us, people within our lives, to share the story and the hope and message of Jesus. So church, I just want to answer one quick question before we close up our time here today. So how does God's hand in your story actually bring hope in your struggles? All right, we, we've talked about salvation. We've talked about the prophets. We've talked about God's son. We've talked about our own salvation story. How does this matter? Why does Peter bring this up to a people that are struggling immensely through trials and hardships? And I just want to point out two quick things here. Uh, the first one is that God's commitment to your story gives you confidence he will continue to care for you now. If God, if God worked so hard, if God brought the message of salvation to the prophets, if God sent and gave his only son to die on the cross in your place for your sins, if God sent someone into your life to share the message of Jesus with you, if God cared about you that much to do all of those things, we can have the confidence that God is going to care for us now. If a painter, he's been working on this painting and, and he's been put so much time and effort and, and, and money and resources into this painting. And he finishes it. Most likely he's not going to leave it outside for it to be, to be rained on and everything else. He's going to protect it. He's going to do everything he can to make sure that that painting is well cared for. In church, just the same way as that painter, God has worked intricately within your life. And you can know for certain that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And even though you think right now that God doesn't care for you and that you feel forgotten and isolated, think back to the fact if God did all of this to make sure you are a part of his family, that you, that you are one of his children, that he is going to continue to work within your life now. In terms of the second thing I just want to bring to your mind as we close is God's power that changed your story can change anyone's story. Again, the farther we get away from our salvation, the farther that we, the, the longer that we walk with Jesus ourselves, the, the, the tendency we have to forget what we have been saved from. Church, without Christ, Scripture says that you are an enemy of God, that you are living and dead in your, dead in your own sins, following your own selfish desires, and that you were destined for separation eternally from, from a loving God in, in, in a terrible place called hell. That is where you and I were before we met Jesus. And if God can take a kid, again, who was crazy, disrespectful, and disobedient, and, and, and everything else, and, and just doing whatever I wanted, if God can take someone like me and save my soul, if God can take someone like you and save your soul, God has the power to, to change anyone's story. As we all have people within our lives that we think there is no way they would ever come to faith in Jesus. Let's be honest, we all have those people. 
But instead of thinking in that way that God could never change them, what if we just what what if we changed that and began thinking, man, how awesome would it be when God saves them? And, if, and instead of having this mindset that there's no hope that that our country, that our world is it's going to hell in a handbasket or whatever, whatever vision you may have within your life. Why don't we have the confidence of thinking, man, if God, if God saved, if God saved me, God can save anyone else. Church, as I just as I invite the praise team up as we close out our time here today. Peter has called us to focus on our salvation. Focus on what God has done for us. He worked in the prophets thousands of years before Jesus came, prophesying about the coming Messiah. He sent his son to accomplish our salvation, and he has sent someone within your life so that you can hear the gospel and know the truth and accept Christ yourself as your own Lord and Savior. So today, I'm just going to encourage you, sometime today, take some time. Review your own salvation story. Thank God for it. And tell someone else. Whether that's your spouse, whether that's your grandkids, whether that's your own kids that you, you have over this afternoon, tell someone else. Recount your salvation story today with someone else. God loves you and he cares for you deeply. And yes, we have, we have a hope in heaven, but what we already have in our salvation is more than enough to know that God, will love, God loves us and will sustain us even through the hardest of times. Let's pray. God, Lord, I just pray. Lord, as we have glossed over and not dug too deeply, but have thought about our salvation today, God, I ask you, Lord, that you would imprint that on our hearts and that you would fill our hearts with gratitude, God, about what you have already done. Lord, I pray that you would work within our own hearts. God, I pray, Lord, if there's someone here who does not know you as our Lord and Savior, that they would that today would be the day where they make that decision that they're going to follow you with all of their life, Lord. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would be a people who see not only the, the, the wickedness and the evil out there, God, but see the hope, God, that you are still at work, you are still saving souls, and you are still in the business of transforming hearts. God, we love you, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.